Hello, and welcome to Our Food is Our Future, presented by Eat Well Saskatchewan and the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm your host and food explorer, Mo Matthew. This week's guest is Kirk Ermine. Kirk holds a red seal in cooking and is working towards a certified chef de cuisine certification. He is currently the executive sous chef at Dakota Dunes Resort on Whitecap Dakota First Nation. He is affectionately known as the diabetes chef from his workshops and presentations of cooking food for that condition and his time spent working with Diabetes Saskatchewan. He is a role model for the people that work with him and a big proponent of the traditional ways of life. Everybody, this is Kirk. Okay, Kirk, tell us about yourself. Where are you from, your background, and what's your current role? Well, my name's Kirk Ermine. Um, I hail from Sturgeon Lake First Nation, where I grew up and raised. Grew up with a traditional life on of the land, harvesting everything, gathering wood, um, traditional ceremonies, understanding the ins and outs of our traditional stories and our language. Um, currently, I'm working as the executive sous chef over at Dakota Dunes Resort, which is the hotel, not the casino, not because most people do get confused when I say Dakota Dunes. Currently, I'm taking the Certified Chef de Cuisine program as a personal challenge and to show my children and my cooks that we can continue to grow. As my grandmother always said, you're never too old to learn. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. And it's it's kind of cool that you said it's important to so, show your uh, your cooks because that's what we're doing here, right? We're yeah. we're passing on knowledge, so that's a great thing for us. Our our program is called Our Food Is Our Future, and I I really believe that. And our our guests always bring new kind of information to the table. So when I'm saying traditional foods and food is medicine, it's a theme that we're using, and. Um, Many communities across the world endorse this philosophy, uh, but what does it mean to you? Food is our future. Food is our is medicine. I used to do work with Diabetes Canada, and I would talk about my journey with diabetes. And one of the biggest things that I would talk about was how we use food to either heal ourselves or harm ourselves. When we get depressed, when we get emotional, it's these high saturated fats, high saturated salt foods that we turn to, these comfort foods, junk foods. And basically, we're poisoning our bodies when we're doing that. With the drinking of um, high sugar drinks, the sugar bombs on our body that overwork our pancreas, that doesn't help us. But if we were to take more foods in that were more local, like traditional teas, wild rice, animals that are not far from where we live. Um, in our Cree traditions, we believe that the plants and the animals that are in our area share the same DNA codes as us First Nations people. So when we take them in, they actually heal us on a DNA level, a cellular level. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it, for sure. Yeah. And is that a traditional uh, teaching? Yes, it is, actually. Um, well, my grandfather, Willie Ermine, from Sturgeon Lake First Nation, he, he says we can get medicines from anywhere in Canada. 
but the best ones are the ones that are in your backyard because they are the ones that know you the best. And food being our future is, um, for me, it speaks volumes of how we have to preserve our ecosystems that we're thriving in, preserving the animals, preserving the traditional plants that are that are in our grasslands. Uh, invasive species that we've brought in are actually kind of depleting some of our resources for traditional medicines. Yep, that's going to happen, right? I, yeah. And I just want to circle back. Diabetes seems to be at the core of your work. And um, is this passion to teach healthy eating habits? It's more of using healthy eating habits to prevent diabetes. I was 21. I ended up in a diabetic coma. I had just come out of the military. I knew of the disease. I didn't know the symptoms. So that's how I ended up in a coma. But I'm here today. (laughs) That's that's great. So it was a kind of a personal, personal journey specifically, hey? Yes. So... Would eating traditional foods then be better for, well, in your case, with you with diabetes, or worse for people from today? Eating our traditional foods has actually been more beneficial for me. It's uh, low carb, low sugar. It's high fat, high protein. I've been trying to gather more traditional knowledge on the starches that we would traditionally use. First Nations people didn't use or have wheat or gluten-rich products to make their breads, but we would use something called uh, wild turnip, or as the French would call uh, prairie de pommes, pommes de prairie. And it's a traditional root that you would dry, turn into, it look almost looks like talicum powder when you grind it up. And you mix it in with cattail root and a couple of other herbs and nuts. And that's what we would make our bread out of. That's that's very traditional. Yes. Because <laughs> starting to use cattails as a... Uh... As a starch product, you, you're really searching for traditional foods. Yeah. So when we're going that far back and we believe that uh, traditional foods are kind of um, better for us and healthier for us and maybe healing for us, why don't people include more of these foods in their diet? <clears throat> what are the barriers? The biggest barrier that I've come across is not being able to serve wild meats that are not federally inspected. Currently, what we're facing right now is that a lot of our game has to be tested in the brain, MSD, or mad cow disease. And it's really rampant with uh, the moose right now that like to dwell in the swamps. Oh, I didn't know that. BSE. That's what it is, BSE. And so... Moose specifically are getting hit. And, yeah. you know, if it's a danger to people for them to be eating uh, that meat, then then I agree. But governance is it's a sticky. has to kind of roll with the punches, eh? Yeah. See, with, with that being said, um, most government systems that are set up today and 
for today's modern man have been set up because um, they wanted to suppress the Indian problem. So taking away their foods, taking away their language, taking away their ceremonies, trying to assimilate us to be more Western European and that the systems that they're set up was just to um, control us as people. So with the experimentations that happened in residential school, the starvations that happened prior to treaty signing and during treaty signing, which kind of triggered a genetic mutation in our bodies so then our pancreases don't produce as much insulin. And that is that a Diabetic Canada kind of thing? Did they work with you to kind of figure that out or identify that? Um, we, well, my wife actually uh, has a degree in anti-racism, and I've been watching some of her research and a lot of the presentations that she's been going to, and it's been coming out more and more that the government did experiment with uh, malnutrition in residential schools and it was actually documented that what they did would create more diabetes in the generations after these that were experimented on so there's a lot of negative with that yeah so would we say then that food could also play a role in healing and wellness yes yes food can play a really big role in wellness and healing a lot of our well some of our traditional ceremonies they would uh require us to self-sacrifice oh what's the term deny almost not deny but um to fast right yeah so traditionally we would fast four days on the third day your body your your immune system is depleted and it's on the reset on the fourth day you're so close to death that you have a spiritual awakening and when you're so vulnerable you can ask for help and that's when your body heals itself so then you go once you break your fast usually you break it first with water and then you'll eat your traditional soups berries your breads in Cree, we say the me or traditional animal fat. That's a that's a neat uh, neat thing. Fasting's done all over the <clears> world. I I didn't know it was done um, in our culture as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I I have kind of a different take on things. I always think there's benefit in no not part of ceremony, but part of just our everyday yeah. is like eating with family, eating with friends, you know, sharing a table and that uh, kind of love and respect and consideration for the other people around the table. It's, yeah. it's kind of a healing thing. And as far as wellness goes, um, if you're surrounded by you know, amazing people in your life and the people that want to share a table with you, then then that's a good place to be, too. Well, uh, it's not good to eat alone. You tend to eat more. You're emotional. You're tired. Um, Wandering spirits don't make happy men or happy people. So when you're alone, you tend to wander more. So if you're with people, family, 
your kin, your friends, then you're more stable and you don't, you can express more being. It not, you're not as bottled or confined to just yourself. So having that ability to express how little you need to express is actually really beneficial to you as a person and as a spirit. That's kind of cool. I like that. I think I was a wandering spirit myself for a while. Well, most of us were until we find what we love or what we're passionate about. And when you find what you're passionate about, there's nothing you can, nothing to stop you. Totally agree. Totally agree. Growing up as a teenager in the reserve, my grandmother always told me, I am my greatest enemy. doesn't matter who my rival is on the sports field is, who's the smartest person in the school is. If I don't believe in me, I won't get nowhere. You got to smart. <laughs> so these, um, these beneficial changes that we're trying to make. And so we can say it specifically to you with your diabetes cook training. Yeah. And you also being now an educated cook these beneficial changes that are happening right now, even by you, is this good for the well-being of uh, future generations? Yes, it is. I, I'm a firm believer in leading by example. So if I can't do it myself, why should I tell you to do it? Perfect. <laughs> Actually, you'll 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 have people stand behind you if you're like that. So that's a great place to be. Yeah. Good. And so when you're when you're seeing those beneficial changes, do you want people to have a better understanding of diabetes? Do you want people to have a better understanding of traditional foods? Like if if you could take a person off the street and say, um, the future will be this, what would your future look like? What would you want it to look like? I would like it to be, that's a good one. I think I would like to see our future with food to have more food sovereignty for all. It's um, local gardens, more access to fresh foods, more access to traditional foods. Um, I know it's really hard to farm moose and elk and bison's actually coming back. But how do we start programs like that where we don't have our government asking for a high dollar for the foods that we need. Uh, how do we really true? Like, how do we have an economical stability, but yet still have access to foods that everyone needs? And with a lot of these new dietary needs, food and eating habits have to change. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. That's and. For the betterment, like if we ate better, we'd be healthier and, you know, it should almost be case closed. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things um, to deal with in this, right? See, one of the things that I started understanding with colonialism is colonial thinking is individual thinking. But from a traditional Cree standpoint, it isn't what benefits the individual, but what benefits everyone. Recently, I just had a discussion with uh, one of my brothers. His name is Kelly Daniels and uh, great traditional knowledge keeper. And 
one of the things that he really talked to me about because he knows that I'm involved in food lots is that it takes a community to raise a child. And uh, as parents, it's hard when even as even being two parents, it's hard to raise your children now in modern day times. Because in our traditional family settings, it would be my brothers that would be the ones to discipline my children, to pull my children aside and say, this is where you're going wrong and this is how we have to fix it. And it would be our sisters or their aunts that would uh, pull them aside, take them, go teach them and give the parents that little bit of a reprieve or a little bit of a break. That's good though. And that, uh, that takes a village mentality is shared in a lot of different places and it seems like uh, a great way of bringing up children they have a lot of different support a lot of love they get a lot of different interpretations of things yeah that that's a pretty key thing right there um with lots of different uh, benefits coming out of traditional foods and the new way of eating and and i think there's lots of places that are trying to do better in the traditional foods area yeah uh institutions in saskatchewan specifically are really trying to up their game when it comes to traditional foods yeah um and it's not just about how they receive it you know it's not just about ordering moose that's that's not it because that would be easy um some of the institutions are taking great big strides um in uh accepting food you know, into their place of being in a good way, in a yeah. in a proper, in a in almost a a spiritual way, and for you to cook it with the the right mindset and yeah. to um, put it out without adulterating it. Like steps are being taken. Do you see this uh, as a positive way forward, or do you do you see this as um, institutions kind of uh, taking the food culture? away from the culture no i don't actually i don't see it as um i don't see it as commercializing culture and that um if steps like that are taken and that these are the practices that we're going to implement into institutions institutional cooking that's uh it's actually a lot better from my mindset it's um it's putting if, if if we're taking the time to prepare these foods with the kindness and the love that was done around the traditional home fire will, will give that food that much more healing properties. Totally, totally. Uh, actually, I got taught by by my grandma and uh, from her her upbringing and my other grandma, both the same. One was French culture, one was Métis culture, but both of them were always cook with love in your heart or don't bother cooking. Like, don't if you're in a bad mood, get out of the kitchen. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I was a, a ratty kid and I would be like, I don't want to be here, I would always pout and frown and they'd kick me out. Like, it would be, so it was a way to get out of work. But then yeah. if I wasn't in the kitchen with uh, my grandmas, uh, you know, then... I really got put to work by my dad, and my grandpa. So it was this, I'm interested in food. 
but I knew I had to be in a happy place to go in yeah. there. So I th- I think this is a, a thing that's been passed down over generations and generations. I being raised by my grandparents, I was in the same situation where I had to help both grandparents. Um, I would be out in the bush cutting wood, gathering rocks for our sweat lodge. I'd be out there gathering medicines with my grandpa so that he could, um, he was a traditional doctor. So I got to, I grew up with that part of the culture. I got to see the mysteriousness of traditional culture and how it heals people on a spiritual level. But at the same time, I got to see the love, the kinship, and the passion that goes into these home fires that we build and the food that we create to gather our family. In a traditional sense, our home fires were warm, welcoming, and full of kindness and compassion. Yeah. Jeez, you can almost write a Hallmark card for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) um, do you believe um, improving these food ways could impact our current health state then? Yes. We have to get away from the preservatives, the high sugars, the refined foods, the ultra-refined foods that we're putting into our bodies that aren't doing our bodies good. And that's... I really believe that if we eat better, we feel better. Yeah, true. Very true. I'm I'm kind of worried about uh, our our state of food sometimes and you know our obesity levels and our diabetes levels and our heart health um it's not just our nation it's it's around the world but uh, saskatchewan specifically has really high rates of of these things and and it really it makes me feel like our we have to have a a call to action sooner than later See, and back in the 70s and 60s, with uh, the lack of access of uh, fresh foods, a lot of our communities were dependent on um, canned goods, which, let's face it, they weren't very good. They weren't done properly. And some of the chemicals that they were trying as preservatives were shouldn't have been approved in the first place. Yeah, they, they tried, but... Uh... You don't always succeed when you try, I guess. Yeah, learning. So, yeah, exactly. So we're running towards the end of our our time, but uh, I always like to wind up the the segment with, uh, do you have any advice? Now, specifically you. Now, take a second, but do you have any advice for any youth listening to this podcast for health and wellness? For any youth. Better listening or watching. The best thing we you as an individual could do for yourself is love yourself. Accept yourself. Accept your faults. You're only human being. You, at the end of the day, when you put your head down to sleep, you have to accept yourself. You have to love yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. We can't depend on on other people to uplift yourself you have to do it yourself that's how we grow as an individual and that's how we gather our strengths and become brave nice nice really i think we have to appreciate that idea because it's 
it's at the end of the day the really really important thing yes awesome well thanks for your time kirk um i really appreciate you coming on today i like listening to your perspectives and uh i'll have to come out and visit you at the dunes yes come out i'll buy you lunch nice (laughs) (laughs) all right perfect well thank you again and we'll uh we'll have this posted probably in the next couple of days so i'll send you out a thing so you can share it okay have a great day talk to you soon yes you as well bye bye now I would like to take this opportunity to thank Eat Well Saskatchewan for their continuing support of our podcast, Our Food is Our Future. Eat Well Saskatchewan is a free provincial service offered by the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan and funded in part by Indigenous Services Canada. Eat Well Saskatchewan is here to help bridge the gap for nutrition services to rural, remote and isolated communities that lack easy access to dietitians. And a huge thank you goes out to the Community Initiatives Fund for our funding and their vision. Without their support, we couldn't tell the stories of our people, our communities, our food, and our future. A heartfelt thank you, and Marseille.